Hey guys, welcome to the Launchpad. First up, we want to wish you a very happy new year. Welcome to 2018. Matt and I are super excited to take the Launchpad podcast to bigger and better heights, and we're bringing you along with us. We couldn't have done it without you. Our first year was incredible. In December alone, we had over 500 hits. That's amazing. Couldn't even dream that was possible. In over 25 different countries. That's amazing. We really want to thank everybody for tuning in every other week, giving us your love. We cannot thank you enough. So today, because of the new year, we are talking about reboots and remakes. So are we going to talk about John Carpenter's The Thing? Are we going to talk about the Fly remake with Heath Goldblum? Are we going to talk about The Blob by Frank Darabont? No! Heck no! We love those movies. We already know they're the best. Today we're talking about some of the other reboots and remakes. Some that don't always get the spotlight. Some comic book reboots and remakes. We dive into the many iterations of Batman, Spider-Man, Leatherface. That's right. We're straying from the expected. We're diving in to some things that you might not know about. So buckle up and get ready for the Launchpad Podcast. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right, welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I am Matt. Happy New Year, Rumi. Hey! Happy New Year, Room. <laughs> Does that explain why you're wearing a diaper and a sash? <laughs> and a top hat? I'm just kidding. He wears that every time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't want to have to go to the bathroom while we're podcasting. Oh, shit. <laughs> See? Smart. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> hey, Matt, guess what I'm doing right now? Well, now that we've got our poop jokes out of the way, <laughs> I guess you know that our New Year's resolution is not about any sort of like maturity or any sort of like growing up bullshit, right? <laughs> Same old stuff from us, you guys. <laughs> oh, man. Well, hopefully 2018 isn't the hellscape that everyone's telling me it's going to be, but... Uh, oh, shit. Are they saying that? Yeah, already, man. Uh, <laughs> that's not good. I was kind of hoping it would be better. <laughs> Everybody hopes it would be better. But since we're talking about the new year, since we're talking about resolutions and mm-hmm. new hopes and new dreams and new Star Wars movies, <laughs> what are we talking about today, man? Today we're going to talk about reboots, rebirths, redos, remakes, remakes, Matrix reloaded, <laughs> <laughs> knockoffs. No. We're going to talk about movies, books, things that have done it once. And then, for whatever reason, did it again. Yeah. Uh, there's Just make that money, y'all. <laughs> Ruby and I started talking about this topic, and we were like, okay, well, let's let's just throw a list together of the you know the first couple things that come off our head, and then we'll go from there and see if we can think of enough stuff. And it was just like, boo 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 boo. There's like plenty of plenty of shit we can think about that people have made Everything and remade. Is reboots and remakes? It's insane, unbelievable. Yeah, there's a lot. So, Rumi. Yes, sir. You want a knowledge bomb? Blow me up. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what the first remake ever was? Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. The first remake ever 
was The Great Train Robbery. Interesting. So, All right. Yeah, so this movie, the original Great Train Robbery, forever changed film. Like, this was, this was like, it took static shots and short stories and actually made, like, a narrative film. So this film came out in 1903. Okay. And back then... The first one came the out in 1903. One, back then, much like the movies it portrayed, the Wild West, mm-hmm. there were no rules. So in 1904, some other dude made a movie and was like, I'm going to call it The Great Train Robbery. And they're like, no, 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 you can't just make a movie and call it the same thing. So some laws got put on the books, but those laws about copyright and intellectual property didn't cover this guy's original version of The Great Train Robbery. So a year later, in 1904, he remade the movie just so he could maintain the rights and intellectual property. Interesting. But that's hilarious to me. That's like, you already made it. You already made it once, so you, then you're just like, well, I don't want to lose my shit, so I'm just going to do it again. again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that must be a real slog. That must be really hard to just, like, redo. Like, I've lost papers and had to rewrite them, and it's like, that's horrible. Same thing, just on a shittier, bigger level. Yeah. Sp- did, I mean, did he have to finance again, spend all that money, get another train to blow up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I don't know how you could not do that. So that was the first ever remake. And then it just turned into Hollywood being like, I don't know what to do now. Can you, I mean, that's the thing. Like, so, so, so let's, let's dive into it. What is, what is the first remake, reboot, redo you want to talk about? Shit. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think of where we would start. <laughs> oh no. There's, well, we have a good list here. But I mean, when you remake a movie, you're hoping to do something. Sure. And whether it be cash in, because that seems to be a lot of the cases, whether it's to update it, because we have technology is moving so fast, it's mm-hmm. like, well, now we can add all this CGI shit in there. Let's let's do it with some of that crap. Let's make that happen. Whether it's to change the story to be a different perspective mm-hmm. or or a different meaning, but like, wh- what is the allure to remaking other than make a couple extra bucks off the name of something that well, already I, did a good job? You know, I guess that th- there's. I, I feel like you can cleave it right in half, and there's two different reasons, whether you're doing a book or a movie or whatever, right? Some sort of entertainment. If you're telling a story, you're either trying to make money yep. on something that you know is proven, or artistically, you want to give your spin, your perspective, you want to tell your version of a story that may have already been told. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the question is, like, which is which, and... You know what? What is there? How about this one? Here's here's a good place to start. I feel like. Okay. You ever heard of a guy named Peter Parker? Yeah, I've heard of Peter Parker. He's a great photographer. Works for the Daily Bugle. Yep. Big dork. Gets Big bit dork. by a spider. What? Yeah. Not a regular spider. Oh really? Radioactive. Huh. Gives him spider powers. What? Yep. That's amazing. Have they ever made this into a movie? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's very interesting, and and you and I. Being in the industry, being such devourers of the industry as far as uh, like just consuming it, we are, I think are privy to a lot of reboots and and maybe see them and think about them more. Yeah, the Marvel Universe back in the early two thousands came up with this idea called the Ultimate Universe, and it was going to be their reboot of certain series, certain characters. They did it with Spider Man, and what they did was they took the essential ingredients to Spider Man and rewrote shit. So Spider-Man is Peter Parker. He gets bit by a radioactive spider. His Uncle Ben dies, etc., etc. But a lot of things were changed. Mary Jane was already in the picture. She was his schoolmate. That's not how it was originally in the 
the regular Marvel Universe. They've changed, uh, like, a, very quickly in the first story or so, uh, the, 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 um, the Green Goblin in this is still Norman Osborn, but he turns into almost like a werewolf, not a werewolf, but a were-goblin type creature. He turns into a monster. Right, so it's like a biogenetic thing that happens to him, and he's a, this monster. Mm-hmm. He steals Mary Jane at one point in the climax, I think the first or second arc of that story, and dangles her from a bridge, and it's very, very reminiscent of the death of Gwen Stacy in the app, in the Amazing Spider-Man comic books, which is like the regular Marvel Universe. So it sounds like they're just kind of shadowing things that had already happened and just doing it different. Yeah, but I feel like this, Marvel needed a win, and it got it here, but I have to say that I feel like this was, Brian Michael Bendis was one of the main engineers of that world. He was certainly the writer of that comic series. I feel like he was like, okay, what do we know about Spider-Man? I'm going to tell my version of that now. Yeah. And things change. People who died still died, but they died different. People who were influenced into becoming this superhero or that whatever still were, but shit was slightly different. And I feel like that was a real, real big win for them. I feel like that was a great reboot. And I feel like that was one that I guess because of the strength, like you could say that Marvel as a company did that to make money, but I feel like Brian Michael Bendis, the author of those books was a great storyteller and I think he nailed it that's my uh, with the with the exception of like some pivotal amazing regular Spider-Man stories Ultimate Spider-Man is like my bread and butter I love really? Ultimate so Spider-Man yeah for you. loved it I, I mean I'm always hesitant when they're like we're gonna reboot something because sure. if you're not gonna do something very different like they then did later with the Miles Morales Spider-Man sure which it's like, what what are you doing? What are you trying to show me? And it's like, just getting to do a slightly different take, is is that enough to sell me a story? And, I, I you know, I, I guess it was good. I didn't read much of it. You know, I think I read the first issue of all the Ultimate series that I could and stuck around. I, I liked the Iron Man one a little bit more. Um, it kind of brought them all back to high school, which is interesting. Like, mm-hmm. it made all of them younger. But I was more impressed with the Miles Morales Spider-Man in that concept because now it's like, look... Did we really need Peter Parker? His story has been told so many times in so many ways. Let's just see what happens with a different kid becoming Mm -hmm. Spider-Man. And that, to me, was new, fresh, different, and interesting. And that was really cool to breathe life into Spider-Man. Yeah, I agree. now he gets to attack it from a different thing. Peter Parker, if you change too much, it just pisses people off. Sure. But if you're just like, let's see what happens with a completely new person, the boundaries are down. Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. And I, I really like that we got to see a different person's perspective, a different take on everything, and he can have new villains, new bad guys, and even cross over into some Spider-Man stuff because they're technically in the same world. Mm-hmm. And I was really like, I was like, all right, we're now still in the Marvel Universe, which mm-hmm. is a redo of everything to begin with. Yeah. Now you're redoing Spider-Man on top of a redo, and he's still going to be, like, I remember being like, is he going to be a Spider-Man though like how can you how can you possibly yeah. tell me that Spider-Man Peter Parker dies and a new Spider-Man somehow has the same fucking power set I was like how can that happen guys read I believe it's called Ultimate Comic Spider-Man Miles Morales is the new hero of that it's a great the intro the the the, the origin story of that the first couple of issues spectacular yeah. and on the same level of Ultimate Spider-Man, and again, it's written by the same guy, Brian Michael Bendis. It's just a great story, and I think a lot of people think that Brian Michael Bendis can only talk in one voice and only tell one story. 
I don't necessarily disagree, but he tells that story great, so fucking I'll listen to it. Miles Morales is definitely Ultimate Spider-Man, and then Miles Morales, definitely a great, I think, a great reboot, a great redo. And the, and those are the comics, but the movies have had the same issues where they just keep remaking Spider-Man movies. I don't need to see Peter Parker get bit by Spider-Man oh, any more times. <laughs> like, I don't need that anymore. I've seen that, what, three times now in the uh, past? Yeah, at least Homecoming didn't do that, yeah, right? Yeah, I give Homecoming props for at least starting in the middle and just, like, diving in, which is what most superhero movies need to do nowadays. Like, do not show me an origin story unless I've never heard of it. And I feel like when you look at the movies, the movies are like, oh, well, now it'll be Andrew Garfield and he'll fight the lizard. And you're like, but the lizard's like this stupid character that this happened and he makes lizard men. It's like, why couldn't he just be the lizard? Like, I mean, at least they showed me the lizard. We hadn't seen him yet. That was different. Yeah, it was interesting, but I, it was I, like... Uh, I like the Andrew Garfield Spider-Mans. I think they were pretty decent. The only part the I don't like I about that is New York loves to have a boner about itself quite often. Oh, yeah. Especially in movies. They love to show like how awesome they can be, and there's this moment in Spider-Man that just gets this Andrew raging... Andrew Garfield Spider-Man? Yeah, Amazing that gets this raging New York boner, and it's when... Spider-Man's like, oh no, he's all the way over here, and I'm all the way over here, and all the like crane operators in New York are like, hey, we gotta help Spider-Man, guys. Let's put our cranes out, and then we'll help him save the day, yo. Go Yankees, and they like do it, and like that's a great moment. That's you know, Ghostbusters does it when they're like, everybody like have positive thoughts, and then the Statue of Liberty can come to life and walk around, like. It's it's a thing in New York movies, but this one was particularly eye rollish for me. This because see Thomas Howell did it. Pony Boy, <laughs> Pony Boy was like, "Hey, you gotta move these cranes over here." What's this movie about cranes? <laughs> That's what they told him. They're like, "This is a, the great story about a crane operator who saves the day." Well, it's not like they were in the fucking desert with cranes, and you're like, Spider-Man's power is to make webs. He has to run through a desert like any other idiot if he doesn't have something to swing from. He's in New York City. He can find something to swing There's from. nothing in New York City taller than a man but to swing from. But they just needed that moment to show that New York... <laughs> with American flags flying yes, and stuff. Yes, yeah, that New York has come together. And I get it. It was a 9-11. Like, New York is is awesome place for community. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing on them, but, like, in movies, they do these really saccharine, you're like, right. and melodramatic Spider-Man. Like, Spider-Man yeah. movies should be just called, like, Spider-Man American Flag movies because yeah. all of those all like of the them. American flag is almost like his sidekick <laughs> yep <laughs> but like the movies like I mean the Sam Raimi movies were just they did it they did a great job it it broke the mold for superhero movies and really put mm-hmm. Marvel on the map as being like whoa you actually could do a Spider-Man because up in this point nobody could do superhero movies he's a hard character yeah. to tackle before I mean, the technology allowed they had, it they yeah. had Batman movies and those were going doing their own thing pretty well mm-hmm. but again those were getting rebooted every couple of years but right. Spider-Man we've had three different Spider-Mans in the past ten years uh, Spider-Man yeah <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not sound like idiots as we talk about these multiple universe comic book characters that we know a lot about. <laughs> uh, but they have a tr- these movies have trouble getting into their sequels mm. really bad. Like, Yeah, that's true. I know everybody really likes Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi ones. But that movie, like, the dude takes his mask off the whole time. What's the point of being a secret identity superhero if you take your mask off every five seconds? I think that's a trope in, or not a trope, that's a problem that films have because I yeah. think I think people who make movies are like, well, they want to see Andrew Garfield. He's the actor. Got to see him emote. No, Spider-Man. I want to see Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm not watching Peter Parker the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's why everyone's fucking mask opens all the time. Stop opening and... Yeah, just... It, they're masks. Yeah, wear it. <laughs> if you're not wearing it or it opens, it's defeating the purpose of its own existence. 
But yeah, those those Spider-Man movies just quickly like they can't get a sequel, right? So we'll see. We'll see if Homecoming can can get us back into a good groove, like of, that franchise. Yeah, if Homecoming that... good. Homecoming the new one was good. It there's a lot of things in it I didn't like, but again, as a character that we've now seen what three, four, five, at least five, yeah. six movies about to to take that. They at least didn't show the goddamn spider bite again, right? They're yeah. like, okay, here's him doing shit. Yeah. Okay, stuff I don't like, but hey, it's a it's Marvel definitely made it to make money, right? They're not being altruistic and trying to give well, kids a they, movie to chase their dreams. They made it and named it to get it back from from what Fox or Sony or whoever had the rights previously, and they were like, "Fuck you, it's ours now." Welcome home, Spider Man. Yeah, it was good, and it was it was a good story. I would give that a good a good reboot as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, the first movie and all these are good. I mean, to keep in the Marvel Universe, another mm-hmm. one that keeps getting rebooted and nobody can seem to get this right is one of S- my favorites. S- Squirrel Girl. <laughs> her no. recent, recent reboot's pretty good. Yeah, I know. Well, it's not a reboot. It's just writing about her. Yeah, well, it's <laughs> gotten general. better. But go ahead. Fantastic Four. Okay, go on. The first comic book I ever owned was Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I collected a lot of Fantastic Four. I loved Fantastic Four. I loved them because they were sci-fi. They weren't stuck in the real world. They could go to other dimensions, fight aliens, all sorts of crazy stuff. It was awesome. I was way into that sci-fi side of it. But the movies of Fantastic Four (laughs) have been been disastrous. I mean, better special effects all around every time you redo it, but they've been such a mess. And the most recent version, they have Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan, Kate Mara... Mm-hmm. I, I was into the cast. The movie fell apart. Oh, yeah. But here's what I will give it. Here's what I will give this movie credit for. And and it's New Year's resolution. If it was like, in the new year when I make this remake, yeah. I'm going to retell the origin story in a way that makes sense for the 21st century. Because when the Fantastic Four had, was originally made, their origin story is cosmic rays. Nobody had been in space yet. Right. It was inspired by the fear of, oh, we're going to send an astronaut up there and they're going to get mutated. Fucker's going to come back as a rock man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> I mean, and, and that is, we, we know what happens. People have been to space many times now. Like, there's people in space right now. And their arms are the same length <laughs> as they were when they went. <laughs> they're not on fire. Lame. Yeah. <laughs> so the reboot idea of it being like an alternate dimension power thing. Mm-hmm. I'm into that. That's awesome. Thank you for updating this beyond space rays give you right. powers. Like, I agree with that. That's great. But that movie then fell apart immediately. And I think there was a lot of like director studio issues that made it fall apart and the script was not good. But the idea of let's t- retell a story in a way that makes sense for the modern era, I think is worthwhile. And I feel like actually that's a good example because that most recent Fantastic Four movie, the movie was stupid as shit and it was terrible. But the idea, like the way that what you're saying, the reboot itself made sense, like why they were there, what they did, how they knew each other. Okay, that's fine. Then the movie kind of fell apart. But I guess the idea for the reboot wasn't bad. And I'm actually really on board with the concept of what the origin story was, like now that it's like dimensional travel and like Mm -hmm. weird things like that as opposed to just your generic something that we know exists now like we we understand space it's not like cosmic rays is stupid the movie sucked but the the ideas i guess were pretty good on that note the 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 human torch in the fantastic 4 is kind of a reboot cuz back in like the earliest days of comics the the human torch was one of their first characters but yes, he was but I, I he think, was a robot right I, which is interesting that they then were like all right we've made let's say 20 characters at the time, which is probably being generous. 
Who else should we make? Well, let's make this guy again. What? You can't think of anything? Squirrel like, Girl was not yet taken. Why would you repurpose him into a team like that? He seemed pretty standalone, pretty good. Like I'm a robot. Well, I think he's different. Like I don't. I think that in that universe now, you could read bullshit that mentions both of them as separate things. Yeah. But yeah, I guess it would be. I don't know. He's a he's a young kid. He's a teenager. He catches on fire. He's got to think of a name. Human Torch. We already did that. Fuck it. Now he's the Human Torch. All right. Quick press release is about to go out. What's your name going to be? The thing? Oh, fuck. I was going to take that. Uh, the torch. What kind of torch? Uh, uh. <laughs> Robot torch. I mean, human torch. Go. Uh, here's a movie that I love the original, and I went into the, the remake that came out much, much later and was like, this is not going to be good. They're just doing a cash grab. Why would they do this? They're not going to do the original justice. And they impressed the fuck out of me. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah. The original was great. We talked about it on some of our Halloween episodes. Yeah. How, you know, it's not the perfect movie, but it did certainly support and help a genre. And and I stunned the world by saying, I think the remake is a better movie, not yeah. as influential, but a better movie than the original, just by... It's a, it's a tighter film, yeah. for sure. Well, and I, I, I find it more entertaining. The original is just screaming for the last half hour. Yeah, and I, you know, when you first said that, I remember sitting here and you first said that, and I was like, what? And then it's like, no, actually, that makes a lot of sense, and I kind of agree with you now. It, it It's tough because, like, it definitely, that is a big ask to, like, let's remake this movie. But when you think about it, when that remake came out, the Jessica Biel remake, they had already kind of, that movie has never had a consistent run of sequels, sequels and films yeah. because they always get to the second one and it gets weird. Like the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Toe Pooper had a sequel that was like goofy and 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 didn't have the rawness that the original had and it turned mm-hmm. a lot of people off. I like the sequel. I like Texas Chainsaw Massacre too because of its bonkers weirdness. Yeah. I mean, Dennis Hopper in a chainsaw fight, come on. Sure. Freaking rad. Right. But I, it, it certainly is, it's almost like Someone saw the poster for the first one and made the sequel. It's yeah. like, I, I never saw it, but I get it. Like, no, dude, that that's not how it happened. Your movie has nothing to do but, with that first movie. But it's movie. by the same people who made the original movie. So right. it's like, how did you forget? Like, between when you released the first one and the second one, what happened? I mean, it was the 70s. Dennis so, Hopper. Dennis Hopper and a bunch of drugs. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, that really is, like, that's what happens. You're like, here's money and drugs. Now make another Texas Chainsaw. And they're like, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, the, the, the one with Jessica Biel, I thought that was great. I thought they, yes. and it's funny because it's almost like a paradox, right? Like I agree that that's kind of like a better movie, but it never would have happened in any shape or form without the original. Yeah. But they kind of took it and they tight, they kind of elaborated on the story. They did some retcon and some backstory of characters that, you know, that never happened at yeah. all in the first one. And I don't feel like it's missing in the first one, but I think it was a time where, in some capacity, some artists got together and said, I will retell this story without telling a different story. I will tell that original story, but my own way. And that yeah. story includes uh, Arlie... Arlie Hermie Ar- as the sheriff. As the, yeah, and like that's great. And, and there's a, in my mind, there's a little too much of, of Leatherface acting crazy, but I feel like that's what they think their bread and butter is. Yeah. But the story was really good, and it had some really good kills. It had some really good scenes, some really good scares. I mean, great chainsaw work in it. Like, uh, uh, when you have a movie with a chainsaw in it and you don't get to good chainsaw kill, it's always disappointing. I know it's hard to pull that effect off. Chainsaws are 
are a hard thing to use in a movie as a weapon without it getting crazy. So I appreciated that that movie did a lot of things right. And they've since done, like, more reboots from that. They did, like, A New Beginning, and then just released this last year, Leatherface, which is, like, retelling a prequel to some other prequel crap. Like, that is one of the most messiest film series timelines. Because it's just all over the fucking place. Just I was going to ask you. It's if as inbred as Leatherface is. <laughs> Ooh, meta. Mm. We're talking about reboots and remakes and stuff and redos. Did you ever see the Matthew McConaughey one, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation? It's bizarre. With Renee Zellweger? And Matthew McConaughey, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's... (sighs) I don't remember a single thing about it, but I remember... That's not true. I remember he had some weird neck uh, leg brace on. Yeah, he has a weird leg brace on, and at first you think he's a good guy, and they do a great switcheroo with him. But, I mean, that's a Texas Chainsaw trope is they run to some place, find some people, and they're like, hi, we'll help you, and then they're like part of the creepy family. Mm-hmm. It's uh, weird. It's it's really weird. And and I want to check that one out again. I want to re- rewatch that. From the first one, the mask just keeps getting weirder and weirder. Like, yes. The second one, it looked cartoony. The Leatherface one, the Saw's family, that one looked like they didn't know how to make a mask. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the general concept of masks confused it, them. Yeah, they were like, paper bag? And you're like, no. And they're like, clay, which is the clay mask. He looks like clay face. It doesn't look like... The first one looked like a flesh mask. Right. How have none of the sequels been able to capture that again? Like, just use the same mask. What was the... But everybody wants to rebuild it. Right. The, the New Line remake with Jessica Biel, I thought that was a decent remake. It mm-hmm. looked it looked like a scary rubber mask to me, but it, it worked as, as what, sure, the, what yeah. it was trying to do. The original looked like a man wearing a flesh, dried out flesh face. Sure. That was scary. It looked like somebody made that in their house. Right. Everybody else looked like they saw that and was trying to make a version of that with special effects. Right, right, right. I agree. Which is, is tough. But I will give you that at one point in the remake, Leatherface shows up wearing Jessica Biel's boyfriend's face to attack her with a chainsaw, mm-hmm. and that's rad. Yeah, I thought that was a very effective scene. I thought all around that was that was a real effective remake, a real yep. effective reboot. I like it. Unfortunately, after that, most of those reboots from that New Line series, like the Friday the 13th reboot, although not the worst film in the series, Nothing special, just just so straight down the middle of like, okay. Play it safe, do the same thing you've done. And then the Friday, the Nightmare on Elm Street remake that they did, though I will give Jackie Earl Haley props for taking those boots on, mm-hmm. that's hard to fill. And he and played a good Freddy. He, I, I bought him as Freddy. I liked the makeup for Freddy. It's not Freddy, but fine. If that's what you're going to go for, it was really effective. It worked. Mm-hmm. But that movie was like, well, what's the point? What are you remaking here? What are you trying to show me? Right. And they're like, that he's actually a pedophile. No, wait, he's not. Wait, he is. And you're like, I, what? <laughs> what? Like, what do you show? What is the point of just solidifying what a, what a pedo creepo he is? Right. <laughs> we, right. We, we, we got it. He was right. crazy. It was, I, I agree with all of those. I agree. Tech, remake Texas Chainsaw, good job. Remake the other ones, not a good Blah. job. Not, you're not adding to anything. You're not changing anything. I feel the same way about Psycho, Gus Van Sant's Psycho. Yeah. It, that was a shot-for-shot shot remake, except they added in dead pigs sometimes. And a jerk-off scene. Well, they didn't add a jerk-off scene. He was jerking off in a scene. Yeah, but that scene was still in the original where he's peeking through the hole, staring at her. No, yep. don't do that, Rumi. <laughs> yeah, no, it, 
And I remember I when that came out was when I got into the original Psycho. Yeah. And I remember watching that and being like, this is literally the same thing, but starring a guy who I already hate, Vince Vaughn. Now, I know this isn't our sequel episode, which will be coming in the new year, but did you see Psycho 2? Yes. Yeah. I've seen Psycho 2 and Psycho 3. Do I, I remember anything? I, Psycho 2, I kind of remember him working at a diner. Psycho 2, I like. Psycho 2 is cool. Their Hailed is not the worst sequels ever. And it's I've never not seen bad. Psycho 3. I don't know anything about that. I don't remember anything about it. He's like dead in that movie. He's well, an old man. Well, we'll get into that. He evolves into the grandfather in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> what if? Here's the thing. I'm going to pitch you two things right now. Oh, I'll catch you. I want to reboot Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but let's take it back to the origin story that it came from. Do Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but Leatherface needs to talk. Leatherface needs to be Ed, based off of Ed Gein, who was the the basis of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ed Gein was a real psycho serial killer guy who dug up bodies, like his he dug up his mom's body and was mm-hmm. make, making hats out of them and bowls of skulls and and all this stuff. And he was killing people and then like helping the cops try to find their bodies while he was like making skin suits out of them in his mm-hmm. basement. He's the inspiration for Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. A real gnarly serial killer. But one of the biggest problems with all our classic horror figures is they don't talk. They don't do anything. Like, Interesting. They're not characters. Like Jason, Leatherface, Michael Myers, they're all silent juggernaut killers. What would he say? He would just be a normal person. Maybe when he puts the mask on, he gets all crazy. But, like, here's my pitch. Mm-hmm. It's a kid walking down a Texas road, and he comes up to his house and knocks on his door, and this guy comes up to the door. He's wearing, like, an apron, like he's been butchering something, like maybe he's a butcher. He's like, what's going on? And the kid's like, my sister's missing. Have you seen her? The guy's like, oh, no. I'll tell you what, I'll go help you find her. Let's go. And he walks out the door with the kid, and they walk down the, the road together, but the camera goes back in through the house, and she's on the sister's on a hook in his, in his kitchen, and there's a chainsaw sitting there. And this guy, like, giving him an ability to talk would give that character something to say or a reason to be. The reason all these movies keep get re- getting rebooted mm-hmm. is because they don't know where to go with it, and they don't know what to do with this other family. Nobody really cares about them. Leatherface is the person we care about, but all he can go is... Man, baby, talk, and it's just like that's so weird. Like, that, what's the point of that? He's not a character. Make him a character, and people will care to see what he does next. Interesting. I wouldn't argue with the intrigue of what you're saying, but my question would then be: So, if you make the movie that you just described, the opening yeah. sequence of, if you make that movie, is that just not a silence, another Silence of the Lambs type story, where even if you 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 reframe it so that you know, the, the the FBI agent is not the, the main, right? Mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill were not the main characters of Silence of the Lamb. If you somehow restructured it to make Leatherface be the main character, aren't you still just doing more of, like, what you usually call, like, a thriller movie? Yeah. Like a Silence of the Lambs would be more of that and less of... I feel like you, you said the word juggernaut killer. I feel like that's, a, I guess, a conscious choice that the film or filmmakers make. You know what I mean? To be that unstoppable, unrational, not able to discuss and and negotiate force. True, but what you're also doing in that sense is you're literally making, like they call him the shape, you're sure. making a cookie cutter. I agree. I totally agree. You're making you, a cookie I agree cutter that. that can be put in anywhere, and maybe that really does work for that kind of horror film, mm-hmm. but Freddy Krueger and Chucky are so successful and have really successful long-running franchises because people want to hear what they have to say next. But they're also 
always quipping and shit like that. Would you be would would that how would that be how you're? Um, no, definitely not quippy. He would be talking like humans, right? Maybe like people. Yeah, I mean, I haven't. I haven't. This was this was in the past ten minutes that I've pulled this out of my ass. But it's like, let's figure this out. What if Johnny uh, Universal is listening? Johnny Newline. New he would talk. Maybe when he puts on the skin face, he gets a little more maniac and doesn't say much. But like when he takes it off, he's he. He he's not the smartest crayon in the bunch. He's not like Hannibal Lecter. He's he's. I mean, Ed Gein was, I guess, technically very mentally slow, but mm-hmm. right. People still were like, "Oh, hey, what's up, dude?" Like you, he, he could talk to people. Yeah, he could function. All right. But in my head, the plot of this movie is he basically befriends this kid, and then at one point, the kid's like, "Do you know where my sister is?" And he's like, "I do." And he's like, "I know she might be dead. Do you know what happened to her?" And he's like, "Do you want to see her?" And then comes out wearing her face. Oh shit! That's yeah, pretty cool. Pretty gnarly. And then, like by the end, he convinces this kid to help him kill the kid's family. Kids are so stupid. Because the saw is family. <laughs> My other pitch was going to be stop remaking the first Nightmare on Elm Street and just jump to Dream Warriors because that was the coolest one yeah, in the I know. series. You, 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 that would be cool if you could redo that one. Yeah, like show me what a Dream World would look like. Show me what Dream Warriors would be. That would be badass. Or remake. Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, as the gay porn it was supposed to be. <laughs> Cut out all this bullshit horror. <laughs> I watched that again recently, and I actually, it's grown on me. I really like this movie. Um, it's great. It's, well, it's great for what it is. It's yeah. not a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, really. No, it's really weird. It doesn't seem to know what Freddy is, but the concept of him convincing somebody to kill for him is really, really interesting. And, like, the homoeroticism that was probably shocking when it first came out and... and off-putting to that weird generation now I think has a place of like it's 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 campy it's fun it's, it's yeah, interesting yeah. Well, it's, yeah campy always happens I think after the movie's made yeah I feel like that movie's like of all the, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies it's like all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies are friends that are all talking and Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is like yeah and then like and then this happens and then oh and then and then this happens and all the other movies weren't listening and then he just was like and then there's a pool party and that movie just kind of like petered its own ideas out but still existed it did not know how Freddy worked at all that intro of that movie is awesome though that's one of the best like Nightmare on Elm Street moments when he's driving the school bus and then the school bus drives into the desert it's one of the ones I remember from being like little and only seeing snippets on on, uh, USA so like I knew that part of the movie before I'd seen probably any Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Well, you could remake that movie and not have that weird recorder dance scene. <laughs> no, I, I feel there needs to be more musical interludes of that kid unpacking. So I guess we can kind of count that as like either like a half-hassed attempt at a reboot or an aborted reboot, but what well, other what other ones are on our list of things that, that we thought were either good or bad? Or, or well, un- I, got a, I got a quick one to bring up, and it's really weird. Do you remember John Carpenter's Escape from New York? Absolutely. Did you ever see the Guy Pierce movie Lockout? I did, actually. It was just a space escape from New York, so much so that they got sued and lost. Really? Got I didn't know that. And lost. Interesting. For it being a, a ripoff. And and the funny thing is, I, I can't remember who this quote is from. I, I don't know if it's John Carpenter or a lawyer or somebody involved with the case, but they're like, we liked the movie. We just wanted you to say story by John Carpenter or like idea from John Carpenter or oh. based on the characters by John. Like, it's literally Guy Pierce is a, is a guy who is kind of a prisoner but used to be a badass for mm-hmm. the government and gets sent to this prison 
space station to rescue the president's daughter and bring her. It's the exact plot of Escape from New York, but in space, which I'm like, that's awesome. You're not remaking Escape from New York. You're not you're not just diving into it. I like that movie a lot. I remember seeing that with Barry. I thought that was fun. But it's it was a direct rip off of Escape from New York. How many eyes did Guy Pierce have? He had two, which if the glasses fit. Yep. You must have quit. Right, exactly. So he needed, if he had an eye patch, it would have been even better. But, like, the thing is, like, I wish movies who are attempting to remake or reboot something would go that approach. Like, hey, let's just take all the things that you liked about it and make a new, oh, like, interesting. Like, make a new version. Like, I don't mind that it went to space. It was just Escape from New York in space. That's fine. It oh. worked out great. I think even the people who sued about it were like, we like it. It's a great idea. Go for it. Just give us credit for, sure, for sure. being this movie. What about going way back and going to Kurosawa's Seven Samurai when they remade it here oh. as um, the Magnificent Seven? Yeah, that's really it's the good same, too. It, and they are credited, like Magnificent Seven says, it's Seven Samurai just set in the Old West. But it's the same exact idea, same tropes, same essential characters. And it's it's taking a old samurai tale and putting it in the Wild West. And I always thought that was cool. Both of those, both both stories, both movies, both, well, both keep, are cool as hell. That's interesting because they, they keep remaking that movie and the movie Yojimbo, which was originally yes. a samurai uh, movie. Yeah, Yojimbo gets made. I mean, that, that's, that story has been told a zillion times. A zillion times. I wonder if they get credit for that. Okay, I got one that I don't like. Yeah? Yeah. The original Halloween franchise... Halloween movies, Michael Myers. Yep. I love them. The first one I think is great. Second one I think is even better. Third one I think is terrible shit, but is amazing because it's terrible. <laughs> it's not terrible shit. It's just like you watch it and you're like... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you just It's almost like when someone says something, you're like, wait, say that. I, I couldn't have heard you right. Say that again. That's what <laughs> Halloween 3 is. You're like, Michael Myers, ooh, kill, trying to kill that babysitter. Okay. Second one, Michael Myers trying to kill that babysitter again. Oh, because it's his sister? Ooh, well. Third one, you're like, Wait, Master turned kids into bug? What? <laughs> <laughs> but you love that, right? Evil corporation of warlocks? I love those. But yeah, they're like, witches. Like, what? All right, fine. <laughs> but it's fun. I love that. Even though Halloween is not my favorite slasher movie, it's got everything it's supposed to, and it's a really good watch. And when they announced that Rob Zombie was going to remake it, I was like, oh, interesting. I liked House of a Thousand Corpses. I was kind of lukewarm on um, whatever the next torture porn one was called. Devil's Rejects? Yeah, I was like, ah... Uh, then I, I, love, I love Devil's Rejects. That movie is... I liked it more the more... I watched it one or two times. Yeah, I think but it's brilliant. watching Halloween, I can't tell you, at least three times I've tried to watch Halloween all through. Yeah. Rob Zombie's Halloween and turned it off. I can't get past that first act. It's just too much of, like, shitty family porn. Like, it's just like... Yes, there are probably families who just talk to each other like that cesspool of garbage. But first of all, I don't want to watch that. That's just me. Second of all, I don't think you need that to get me involved in your movie. And third of all, specifically, when you're talking about the, the character of Michael Myers, part of why Halloween 1 is so awesome is because it opens from his perspective and you don't know who he is. Peeping in on a girl making out with some dude, goes upstairs or goes inside, the dude leaves after banging her. He goes upstairs and she's nude, so it's again a brother looking at sister's boobies. Creepy. But we don't know it's the brother yet. And you're like, oh, he's going to kill him. And then she knows that it's Michael. He kills her. And then you see it's a kid. And you're like, fuck. Yeah. And Loomis is like terrified slash hates him, but never explains why he did that. And there's no reason. I personally like that. I like that he is a shape and you don't know what his fucking deal is. 
but he's a killer and will kill. Has some ambiguous goal that he's trying to accomplish that if you're in the way, sorry, dude. But I they, like that. Then they go and over-explain it in later movies. Agreed. But, like, you're again, you're talking about now Halloween 4, 5, 6. Now, like, ugh. Here's something. This is coming up, and this is on your list. So, this happened in Halloween. Hey, mm-hmm. let's go back and over-explain that shit. And then it happened again in Aliens. Hey, let's go back and over-explain that shit. Sure. Guess what? A human made them... Uh, made a robot who who made made the xenomorphs and, and and now we're just like so confused and it's stupid. Now they're about to release the new Predator movie, mm-hmm. and I don't know if Predator's been rebooted, but they they keep making sequels, and this is a sequel. This is a sequel to Predator Two, because Predators they're like this oh I hadn't even heard that yet. Gary Busey's son plays his son f- in the movie. Oh, that's awesome! But they have teased is, is, is the. Is the Predators hunting Buseys now? Yeah. That'd be aw- no. Dude, well, no joke. If the Predator was hunting Buseys, he would take their teeth as trophies, right? <laughs> <laughs> their two front teeth. Yeah. Well, now they've teased, and the internet got pissed off about this. Well, we're going to find out why the Predator's on Earth. And I'm like, wait, what? We already know. We already know. They're hunting. <laughs> right, they're hunting. Right. Do you think that... Finding out that like the predators' fuel sources on the planet Earth, like, uh, they have an ancient like. Do you think that adds anything to the story? No, no. The not story at all. was the story was fine. It was done. It was done. Yeah, they're hunters. They came to hunt you. Humans are great things to hunt because right. we're good at hunting. They hunt ourselves. in other planets. They yeah. hunt other creatures from other planets. Yeah. There's no need if you're going to expand any story about predators. It needs to be from a predator planet. Show me a predator planet. Show me some some of that backstory. Why are they such hunters? What is the whole like? What is their deal? Like, what's going on there? Showing me some retcon crap on Earth is just pointless. Mm-hmm. It's just pointless. I agree. It with that. better be really fucking cool. And the fact that they're teasing us and people are like, well, I'd love to find out like more about the predators. It's like, yeah, I'd love to find out more about the predators. But everything I know about them here is fine. Giving sure. Me, giving me anything else is just going to make it not as as solid and i feel like this is an interesting thing because it's something that it having not happened yet i say there's no problem but if it happened i might have a problem i could watch predator one endless times like you could make predator three essentially a reboot of a remake of predator one with bruce willis and i'd be fine yeah. You can make Predator 4, Jason Statham versus the Predator, and it's the same thing. A Predator comes to Earth, is hunting. Jason Statham is an MMA fighter who Predator goes at. Like, it does, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. There no. doesn't have to be new reasons every time. We should have 30 Predator movies. Like, <laughs> honestly, honestly, how hard is it? You have a guy in a suit, and that suit, I bet, is expensive to make, but he's invisible 90% of the movie. <laughs> what? You, you, I mean, he's invisible with giant knives on his arm. Why don't we have 30 of these movies? Just pick some badass. The Predator wants his skull. Hunt that shit up. Tear him to pieces. They fight. He wins. Maybe he loses. Let's see the Predator win one for once. I mean, the Predator deserves to win. I mean, every time that the humans beat the Predator. if you think about it, that's not a bad idea because the way they're making certain movies right now, they're making them in twos or threes. Yeah. They know before the first one's even released sometimes that a sequel or two is going to yeah. be greenlit. So something like that, you can't tell me that you would oh, take the goddamn chance and make one movie and yeah. see what happens. Yeah, that would be. I would actually be super cool. I would. Uh, Shane Black, you listening? Yeah, here's the other thing. The Predator was able to take out gangs of hardcore criminals, hardcore, like, 
Jamaican, Latino, voodoo. Italian. Yeah, just killed them by the swaths. Murdered tons of gorillas in the jungle. Mm-hmm. And Danny Glover beat him. Now nothing against Danny Glover. Great actor, great dude, but he is not the epitome of action machismo. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Arnold Schwarzenegger barely beat the Predator. Danny Glover was able to beat the Predator, really. I agree, but <laughs> I don't give a shit. The movie was awesome. Awesome, like if, awesome if movie. Danny Glover's character, if Danny Glover was John McClane, yeah, it would be a little bit more believable. I don't give a fuck. I I would watch fucking pick someone else. I would watch Predator Four starring Vince Vaughn. Vince Vaughn is a down and out cop who finds a Predator. That would be stupid, but like it's it. You have to reinvent the goddamn wheel every time. And I love Danny Glover. I love in my head the Predator movie. After the Predator movie happens, uh, he's like, "Oh man, things are so crazy. I need a new partner." And I then, knew that was going. then the, then the <laughs> Weapon movies happen, which are Christmas movies, by the way. Sure, yes, that's true. <laughs> Did you know that? That's <laughs> <laughs> so then he gets that partner, and then after all that, he finally gets to retire because in all these movies, he's like one day away from retirement. Mm-hmm. After that, he retires and adopts a kids down in Anaheim with the Anaheim Angels, <laughs> and. <laughs> There's an angel in the outfield. <laughs> remember that movie? Uh, I remember that it happened, but I remember being too busy watching Predator for the thousandth time to go <laughs> see it. <laughs> well, then our audience can't see what I'm doing right now, but I'm waving my arms like an angel in the outfield. <laughs> That's what you think an angel looks like? You didn't see the movie, so you don't know. In the movie, Danny A Glover... A Jewish person, person would have taken offense to <laughs> your salute there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I went up and did. De- okay. Don't do it again. It's Hanukkah. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you a question, if I may transition. In your description of, of Predator and stuff, you used the word retcon, which was something that I wanted to actually bring up. Yeah. Um, I have a couple ideas of good and bad retcons. Retcon is kind of like a soft reboot. It's, well, I guess, not a reboot, but it's almost like kind of fiddling with an origin, I guess. Retro continuity. Yeah, which I thought once I once I realized what that was, I first learned about that, or I first learned a term at least from Brubaker's Captain America, which reintroduced Bucky as the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Which I thought was just super fucking cool. If you guys haven't read those books, uh, the Captain America series by Brubaker, it it's just it's a really smart concept. Uh, they had a different artist drawing the flashback sequences that had that took place in World War II, where Bucky was this like propaganda tool to get kids and 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 you know people interested in the war, but he was also this like crazy uber assassin that was killing people and was a great fighter. But they downplayed that because he, that was not his role. I thought that was a smart idea. And then setting that ground, they then were able to create the character of the Winter Soldier. I thought that was such a smart idea. Um, and I thought that was great retconning. The only other retcon that I can think that's better than that is Mr. Freeze's origin in the Batman animated series, right? Yeah, I mean, and that has kind of come become the Mr. Yeah. Freeze origin. Which I think is super cool, that that's not his original origin, or at least yeah. that all the details were not there from the beginning. Yeah. But uh, really, from our generation and even a little bit older... That's what his origin story is, and yeah. I think that was a, a great call. A great, I think it was a great story. I'm, I'm into it. I actually would like to reboot Mr. Freeze. Oh, though. I know. You I w- told me. I, you're... I've, I would love to do a Mr. Freeze reboot just to make him more agile. And, I mean, I, I, it would basically still bounce off the, the dead wife thing and the, the cryo-frozen fro- stuff, but, like, give him more. Because, like, at this point, like, don't you have enough money or are you just over it? Like, like it's not so much to to keep her going. He's just over it. Yeah, well, I mean, she's dead, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you would figure that out. Like, so 
what does he need the money for? What is he trying to do? Like, give him more purpose and make him more agile so it's not this giant, like, lumbering spacesuit. So he's more of, like, um, Ice Spider-Man. He's ready to, like, you know, bounce around in the snow and F you up. See, I, I have my own... I want to take the character in a completely different uh, direction. You know what his last name is, right? Freeze. How do you spell it? Fries. Yeah, I want to make him, like, a French fry kind of monster. Oh, and he spits hot grease on you. Yeah, because his wife fell into a vat of burning <laughs> grease, so it's the, it's almost like the opposite. He comes home, she's just a giant chicken nugget. <laughs> yeah, but, but, like, he's got her he's got her in a tank, right? And then next to the tank is that little scooper that they can get the fries out of. Fry bucket. Does it, every, like, 15 minutes make that horrible buzzing noise that fry machines make? Yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, first of all, think of this, okay? If you had Victor Fries as your bad guy, yeah. Freeze has all of like the people in like coats and parkas and cold and snowman costumes. You could have everyone walking around like a McDonald's drive-thru operator, right? They all have headsets. <laughs> they have little stupid hats and everything. That's hilarious. <laughs> Batman villains, stop. Batman villains' parents, stop naming your kids with names that could easily become villains later, like Mr. Fries, Freeze, <laughs> Harley Quinn. <laughs> Harley Quinzel. Uh, her name is Harleen Quinzel. Real, is, is it really? Yeah. Joker. How about Edward Nigma? Yeah. Really? Uh, you didn't see that one coming? Yeah. I'd probably do shit I like that, I feel like though. Batman could do some, like, Minority Report shit just by going through the fucking <laughs> book. Just be like, does your name make make itself, lend itself well to a nice villain name? <laughs> your name is Harold Side? <laughs> oh, I was trying to say Homicide. Never mind. Either cut that out or leave it in because I'm stupid. <laughs> <laughs> your nail name is Juan Side, but your friends call you Homie. Homie. <laughs> 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 uh, are you a Mr. Erder? <laughs> <laughs> I like the Mr. Freeze origin. I like that retcon. Well, and it worked because that, that character, you know, always was interesting. I mean, he has that, that cool gun and stuff, but never really had any purpose or, like, Depth. really drive. Yeah. Like, that's the thing is, like, you have, okay, it's a cool character, <laughs> Cold, right? Cold is his, his thing. You got yep. a gun, okay, fine. But, like, how, how many times can you just be a cold villain? Yeah. It's when you have, and this is the story, this is the key behind any good villain or any good character. Yeah. You have to fucking know them. They have to have a drive. They have to have a motivation. They have to have, they have to do two things. Yeah. You know what I mean? They can't just walk around always doing the same thing. Well, and it kind of took him out of the punniness that the Adam West Batman had made sure, him. Sure, yeah, yeah. And gave him, like, some really chilling depth. <laughs> but like while we're on Batman Mr. Freeze was then ruined again when Arnold Schwarzenegger took him back to Bozo the Clownville he wasn't ruined because nobody accepts that right like yeah. I, I don't think any like there's no people if you right now went on the fucking national news and was like everybody picture Mr. Freeze in your brain right now nobody would think of him I think that's not true at all I think a lot of people would be like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, chill out. Because he's it's hysterically bad. That is true. I mean, I mean Batman and Robin is shitty movie Sunday bad. We've wa- we watched it in the last, I think over the summer we watched it. <laughs> it's great. It's it's yeah. it's awesome, great bad. It's terribly awesome, great bad. But like that was a real everybody chill. but like so you had the two Michael Keaton Batmans, which were like a gritty reboot of the Adam West Batmans. And then from that you had the the cartoony Schumacher reboots that were like... Well, that's true. Which was Batman and Robin and, and uh, Batman Forever, which 
fuck it, I love Batman Forever. That movie's still rad. I agree. I think that we saw that at a very important time in yes. our, not just our forming our own identities, yes. but like what movies and shit we like, because that movie is a shit show. Yes. But I love the shit out of it, too. But we were young enough that that movie was impressive, flashy, and awesome. And Jim Carrey was like the hottest thing ever at the moment. That's Oh, and you know what else I think is a big argument in favor of that movie that I had a personal experience what? about? I've been kissed by a rose on the grave. I've been kissed by a rose on the grave. If I should fall. <laughs> wow. There oh. is so much a man can tell you, so much he can say. You remain my power, my pleasure, my pain. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Ruby, to me, you're like a wrong addiction that I can't deny. <laughs> yeah, that soundtrack. <laughs> that I mean, soundtrack is unreal. I had that CD. Let's just pause this show for a couple minutes and listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Seal, you you were so awesome. Best Batman reboot, while we're talking about Batman's reboot slash, re- I guess it's, it's not really a reboot, but it's a, it's almost like a future retcon. It is a reboot. I guess it, I guess it's a retelling Dark Knight Returns. Like I count that as Oh. Oh, I thought you were going to say Batman versus Superman. No, that's a red toilet con. That's a <laughs> fucking That's a shit con. Everybody except the person who made Superman's mom's neck is stupid on that movie. That Ugh. it was terrible. But Dark Knight Returns, I think maybe that's not a a reboot per se, but it's a reimagining of a character because Bat- a lot of people think that like Adam West was Batman until The Dark Knight Returns. That's not true. A lot of writers, a lot of artists did a great job between those two spans. Well, of what's the opposite of retcon? That's future continuity. Futcon. Futcon. Yeah, like that. that's saying, yeah, everything that happened in the past has happened, but mm-hmm. in the future, this is what happens. Right, I, yeah, I guess Which it's... It's interesting. It's re- but like, as far as I thought... Like, I was joking about Batman v Superman because that is a toilet shit show. I thought you were going to say Batman Beyond. Oh, the Warner Brothers cartoon show? Yeah. Santa, if you're listening, it's on my wish list. <laughs> um, that is actually also awesome. Yeah. And, and that, I would put that in the same category as Miles Morales because yeah. it's, it, it, you're like, oh, w- wait, another person in the same city is going to dress up like a bat and, and fight for justice? That show is so good. There's some really silly cartoony episodes, more cartoony pound for pound, I think, than the the original Batman animated series. Yeah. But there are some episodes where I'm watching and I'm like, awesome. Whoa. I hate the Joker in that series, but I like most of what else they do. I agree. I I really think they do a great job of rebooting this character for something that's interesting. Give us something new, different perspective. It's not Bruce Wayne. Yeah. It's not the same pearls falling on the street that we've seen over and over and over again. It's something different. Wait, what scene was that? <laughs> <laughs> Did you like the the uh, Christopher Nolan? Bat- yeah, uh, the two of them. The, I like, I really like, I mean, of course, Dark Knight is one of the best comic book movies ever made. That portrayal of the Joker is one of the best portrayals we will have of a villain in a movie for a long time. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are trying to imitate that. A lot of everybody will go back to that year after year after year trying to be that vicious of a character. Yeah. But Batman Begins was good. I didn't love it. When I first saw it, I was just like, okay, cool. Neat. 
I hated the Batmobile. That Tumblr shit is oh, stupid. It makes me so happy to hear you say that because I usually say that and people look at me like I'm re- like like I like I'm psycho and I'm like guys, it's a fucking tank. Like this is Batman. I, this was the beginning of Batman becoming more Iron Man than Batman. Sure, like, okay. At least. And I guess, like, the, the way they justify it is, like, no, he's, like, a contractor for the government and has all this government shit and, like, all this stuff. I'm like, okay, I get it, but Batman doesn't drive a tank. He made a car with, like, bat stuff on it. Right. I, I Yeah, I totally and agree with that. I'll get to it in a second, but I, I Batman Begins was fine. I enjoyed it. It was cool. Dark Knight blew me away, but then again became really... Iron Manny when he got into like sonar radar every, all over the city. And you're telling me there's there's no way you could have furthered the plot without technology cell phone like that. Te- yeah. yeah, you don't you need that. And then Dark Knight Rises, I thought was just a mess. I just watched that like a, like within the last four days. Yeah, I admire it for what it's trying to do, but it's 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 almost like Shin Godzilla where you're like, I just want to see Godzilla. Yeah, I don't need you to like. It, remember we watched that movie and I remember they were like. Here's a boardroom government scene about how Godzilla would affect the government in everyday well, life. You're like, interesting. For five minutes. I don't want to watch a movie about that. And yeah. I feel like Dark Knight Rises was like, let's really deconstruct the Batman and what he means and symbols and stuff. You're like, can they just fight? Well, and then have him murder a bunch of people with a nuclear bomb and like a, a, a plane that shoots people. Like, <laughs> well, I let that go because even Tim Burton Batman theoretically murdered some people. He stuffs dynamite in a clown's pants <laughs> and kicks him off a building, god damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and but unless that dude's a werewolf, he's not coming back. I almost like the, the when it, when, it, when you think about like a, a <laughs> good <laughs> nice monster squad. Yeah. When you when you think about the Christopher Nolan Batmans and a rebooting like as a reboot, I kind of feel that like the world that they create crafted, the Batman they crafted was awesome. It's, it was it's, well-made movies. They were really cool, but the stories, for me personally, were lacking. They were focusing on a lot of things that, to me, were not Batman. I, and I agree. I think they're villains. I think they're they're vision. And but this was also one of the first times we got like a hyper gritty reboot, which is funny because sure. the first Batman was a gritty reboot. The Michael Keaton Batmans were mm-hmm. gritty reboots, and those were awesome. And then the Christopher Nolan ones were kind of bringing us back to that, and it really gave us a modern, serious take on superhero films, okay. which I appreciate. I, I mean, I, I don't want to knock those movies because I really, I mean, I own them all. They're great. But, yeah, the technology, he became more Tony Stark than, than, than Batman to me. And if you are, you know, DC Warner Brothers, if you're listening, we know you are, please, when you reboot the next Batman Let's take it back to basics. Let's make him the world's greatest detective again and stop relying on gadgets and make him more about his tactical nature and what people like most about Batman. Yes, he has gadgets. Yes, he's very clever, but it's his tactical nature, his brains over his money. And I like when I read my Batman comics, the one where he's detecting is some of the coolest stuff. It's not fighting. It's not being part of the Justice League. It's the mystery it's, side it's of it. It's not even fighting the Joker. Like, those are cool. But I like when some well, weird shit happens. Like, one of my favorite lead-ins to a comic was, um, I think there's a murder, and someone leaves an entire intact killer whale in a museum. Yeah. And it was like an art museum. Yeah. Just a dead killer whale, but the full thing. How did it get in here? How did it? And it turned out to be really stupid. But like the lead into that was like, "Fuck!" Sounds like a job for Batman. Well, 
and like in the old Batman comics, he was the world's greatest detective. And they even have things like crossover stuff with Sherlock Holmes tie-ins. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I want to see that because yeah, we've gotten, we've gotten, we have Iron Man. And you're getting into too much of it. Yeah, we've seen Iron Man. We're getting too much in the Iron Man. And the Justice League thing and the Batman Superman was just more like, I'm so rich, look what I can do with my money. Right. And not so much about look at what my mind can do. I wouldn't even I would even like it if they took him out of being this hyper rich dude. Maybe like here's my pitch. Okay. It's a younger guy, like in a tech startup, and the things that they do to try and like advanced technology is what helps him do his detective work and his gadgets kind of like the movie but not on a mega conglomerate level and then as he becomes Batman it's more about figuring it out and using solid detective work and and going back to that Sherlock Holmes era Batman as opposed to the Richard Branson globe trotting playboy that he became I'm on board all right, so who do we need to get that going? If you rebooted Batman, would he still have the pointy ears? Does he it, have to have pointy ears to be Batman? Yes. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, there has to be some sort of ear, like it has to be sculpted or something on there. I Are you asking if I would do a... Because um, I like smaller ears than, than the crazy pointy ears. Some girls prefer smaller ears. <laughs> <laughs> are you talking about a, if I was writing or drawing a comic or if I was making a movie? Like if you were making a bucket, uh, either one. I would do Kelly Jones Batman when he had like the the red rain, like the super long ears. <laughs> like I just read a whole bunch of those books. He They're looks great. fucking awesome. Yeah, he's it's such badass. a cool design. And and again, this might be influencing exactly what we're talking about. But those books are about him being a detective. Like like pretty much all those things are him detecting. He's always creeping around, and he always yeah, looks even like a, as vampire. a vampire. Yeah, I think that looks awesome. I would. I would love to see that either in more books or and or on film. <laughs> so the opposite of where I'm trying to go with it. <laughs> That's funny. I, I love the Red Rain ones, though, because even as a vampire, he's he's a badass. Yeah, super freaking cool. That that whole design is cool. He, uh, Kelly Jones redesigned his his uh, whole his whole costume. Yeah. That that in itself is kind of like a little reboot. Well, all those Elseworlds kept rebooting. Like, every issue, there's, like, the one where he's a Frankenstein. There's the one where he's in, like, Gaslamp, Gotham by Gaslamp. Like, that's mm-hmm. really cool stuff. So, one that got rebooted recently that, oh, man, was rough for me was RoboCop. I know. When you, when you started leading into that, I was like, oh, I'll make a joke. I'll pick us, like, a girl movie or something. I was like... No, because I know he's being serious. This is this is not a time to joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love RoboCop. I love me some RoboCop. The first Paul Verhoeven RoboCop, I think, is one of the best movies of the 80s. It is such a great, like, dark comedy, satire, sure. action movie, you know, practical effects. It's amazing. And then in the past couple of years, they're like, let's reboot it. And I was like, okay, okay, okay. Let's, I, I, let's try I'll power it. through this. Let's try it. Sure. And I, I, I wanted to give them, I liked the design, the design of the suit. Okay, looks cool. Okay, I'm into it. Okay, the design of the new Ed 209, awesome. Michael Keaton's in it. Man, okay, I, I'm getting excited about this, but I can't, I can't, I can't get too excited because you're going to fuck it up because something that we can't seem to do anymore is satire. They weren't going to capture, RoboCop's a joke. The movie is making fun right. of capitalism and corporate corporate culture and like commercials and consumerism. 
it's making fun of those. They have all these commercials that are straight jokes. The Sucks 9000, the car. <laughs> yeah. with the, uh, the Kyoto Brothers have the T-Rex. Boy, the, yeah, the T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. You have the, I'll buy that for a dollar guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's some. Red alert. Exactly. Red alert. <laughs> You're invading my borders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're playing, what is it, like Nukem? Or like, yeah. They're, they're playing a board game about <gasps> nuclear you war. You cut off federal aid. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And then, like, you know, the Ed 209 is a joke. He just kills people in a boardroom. Right. Like, it was all about over the top, the over top culture of the 80s. And the new one was like, no satire, straightforward, guy becomes a robot cop, what happens? Which, not to say that that couldn't be a good story, but you got rid of all the charm that made the original a phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. And now you have a movie that's just a guy who is a robot cop, which, if you don't know that there could be more, might be fine. It was entertaining. It's one of those movies like, it's, I know it's not a remake, but Terminator Salvation, where I just wish they called it Future War. I wish they called this Robot Cop. Yeah. Robot Man Who Becomes Cop. I yeah. would have been like, okay, fine. But the fact that you're telling me it's Robocop, you are, like, you as the studio are comparing the original and this movie. Yeah. If you just had called it something different, I would have been more okay with it. But you're right. I was actually. RoboCop was way better than I thought. The new RoboCop yes. was better than I thought. I can't get over that. I can see his goddamn face the whole movie. Yes, that's boy man cop. That's not RoboCop. Well, and this one focused way too much on the oh my god, the memories of my family. Uh, <laughs> like, it, agreed. But and and even that, it didn't do that well because it's like there are lots of movies that have robo robot cognizance and like robot awakening. Like the most recent Westworld did an mm-hmm. amazing job of them becoming self-aware. Right. And that is like, that's its own thing. And this movie just kind of glossed over that too. It was just like, oh, you still have memories of your kids. You, you know, that sucks. And and then go kill Michael Keaton on a rooftop. Like, that, like, that didn't matter. But it was like, when they put down the list of like, what makes Robocop, they're like, suit, check, gun, check. <laughs> That was all they had. Go Robo. Go Robo. <laughs> um, met, like, but, then, but the thing they glommed onto was like the past self as opposed to the satire Correct. of everything that made this. Well, they, took, they were trying to tell you this emotional story. It's like yeah. some dude that I talked to the other day, was, I was bitching about the Punisher Netflix series. He's like, yeah, but at its core, Punisher is a story. And not, not to the Netflix series. He was saying in general, Punisher is a story about this man with psychological trauma and him trying to deal with it. No, that's not what it's about. And I feel like RoboCop is is not about him. <laughs> when I buy a Punisher comic, I'm not buying it for psychological, like, correct pain story. I buy it to watch a guy mow down right. a, a, a chop shop bad guys full of bad guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And RoboCop, y- you need to establish him as a feeling creature. I mean, it's important in the original movie to be like, hey, he's still a human yeah. and something he's struggling with. They let that show in one scene yeah. where he goes back to his house. Yep. That's the boringest part of the whole movie, but yeah. I give it to you because it's essential and you're building a character and I will care about that later. Well, and they were, I mean, the, the new one was trying to do more of a Frankenstein thing, which I normally love. Frankenstein is my all-time favorite monster character. He's misunderstood, you know, all <laughs> that stuff. But I'm watching a different franchise that I also <laughs> love. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I didn't need the melancholy side of RoboCop. 
I wanted the satirical, violent sure, side of right. RoboCop. The original RoboCop is one of the most violent movies, and they toned it so they toned it down. I'm not saying it needs violence to be a good movie, but part of what makes RoboCop awesome is how over the top it was. Sure, it was a commentary. The '80s were just over the top. I don't know. It it was and walking. No, don't say I don't know. You're right, Rumi. I know. I do know. You know what? That new RoboCop remake was a disservice to it. I hope they do more RoboCop movies. But the thing is, if they're going to do it, they're going to reboot it again. They're just going to be like, let's try again. Right. Swing again. But now we don't need to see his origin story. We get it. He got mowed down. He got shot up. He died and then came back as a robot. Show me more RoboCop stuff. Like, RoboCop 2 was a pretty decent movie. The comic book's even better. But like just the Frank Miller written one. Yeah, just give me more RoboCop movies. Go Robo. Go Robo. Here's a question I have for you, and I don't know if you ever discussed it, but it's serious. So take this question seriously. Can you fly, Rumi? <laughs> <laughs> when he is still in and out of consciousness as RoboCop, and we're seeing snippets of the people working on him. Yep. Why does that chick kiss him directly on the eye visor? Because they've had a relationship this whole time. Most of the time, he's been passed out, but she's like. No, no, no. Now, why does she kiss him? Oh. We're watching his POV. I don't know if that's true. I just made that up, by the way. No, no, I, I know you did. <laughs> I'm just telling the but audience. But I'm just telling you yeah. and the audience. She kisses him, and when she's done kissing, yeah. we can still see the lipstick mark. So she kissed his eye visor. Yeah, why not kiss, like, the top of his head like a baby or, like, his lips like a human? Honestly, there's one fucking human part of him left, and it's his mouth. <laughs> but, like, if you're if somebody's sitting in a chair and you're giving them, like, a platonic kiss... You might kiss like their forehead or their cheek. Yeah, you're not kissing them in their eye visor. I'm not on their eyeballs. <laughs> as a kid, that bothered me. I was like, nope, I don't buy this. Jordi LaForge has a big complaint about that as well. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody just goes for the visor. Why do you want to kiss the yeah, visor? What is that about? <laughs> I think it's because it's visually more interesting than not showing lipstick on his face, on his visor. No, Paul Verhoeven, terrible director. You <laughs> fucked it up. You <laughs> fucked RoboCop up. <laughs> I love Paul Verhoeven, man. I do, too. He's great. You know he's dancing in that movie, right? What? Yeah. Wait, what? In RoboCop. Yes. When he goes and there's a guy who shoots at him in a club, and he punches RoboCop, and then his hand's broken, and he falls to the floor, and RoboCop grabs him by the hair and drags him out. Oh, where is Clarence Bodoker? And he drags him out of the club. Yeah. And he knocks he knocks the gun out of the guy's hand, and someone dancing in the club catches the gun and just keeps dancing with it. That's Paul Verhoeven? No, no, it's not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but in that, there is a cut that cuts to a medium close of a guy who goes like this. That's Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> I wish you could see what I just did. Check it out. He just he just shook his moneymaker like it was no You tomorrow. know what he looks like, right? What his yeah, face yeah, looks yeah, like? Yeah. If you watch that sequence again, I forget which two shots it's cut between, but he's dancing like super crazy looking right at so, camera. So I have, I, have a, I have a quick story. I don't know if we'll cut it out or not, but I'll tell you the story. Okay. So our friends got engaged, and we went to a party for their engagement at a cousin's house? I don't know. But this is somebody who turns out is kind of high up at Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. It was a nice, nice house. Yeah. And we're kind of, you know, the catering, we're eating food, we're hanging out, and I, I see this older lady sitting by a fire in this beautiful, like, library. And I go over, and I'm like, oh, hi. We start talking about movies, and then I'm like, I love RoboCop. And she's like, I love Paul Verhoeven. I love RoboCop. I love 
Starship Troopers. I even love Showgirls. And I'm like, what? This lady's awesome. And she's like, hold on. I need to get my son. Come here, come here, come here. This this kid has great taste in movies. He loves Paul Verhoeven, and it's the owner of the house, the high up Warner Brothers guy. And he sat down and proceeded to want to like show me up about movies and like how my taste was shitty. And, she, and it was me and his mom versus him telling him why Robocop and Starship <laughs> Troopers was better than like the French art house film that he was trying to tout as being great. No, lame. It, yeah, I know. And it was it was really funny because it was like me and his mom teaming up on him about like your taste in movies sucks. You should like Starship Troopers. <laughs> <laughs> you stupid French people. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't French at all. He just he no, just we like French you know he, he he liked highbrow you know considered great movies. Starship Troopers highbrow. <laughs> Jake Busey's in it <laughs> Playing a space violin <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris is in it Playing a space doogie hauser yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those movies are great Paul Verhoeven's the man So in the comic book realm There was a, a reboot that I was so impressed with And it's it's been a really cool series to read But Profit I don't know if you remember Profit from the 90s, but in the Spawn era of Image Comics, when, when Spawn was like at its height early on, there was a there was a spin-off like team called the Youngbloods, and on that team there was a dude who had way too many pockets named Profit. And I don't no, know... his name was Pocket. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was whatever. I, I never really read any Youngbloods, but recently they just rebooted his character in a new series called Profit that is hard sci-fi amazing. Oh, interesting. It's, is it, it is the same. It's not a different character called Prophet. It's it's the same guy. It's the same, but he's very different. Sure, like sure. like it's it's such a reboot that you're like it is. It does make you wonder. Like, is it the same? But it's you know it's it's in that same vein. He's supposed to be kind of the same character, but its reboot is incredible. It's it's really hard to explain because it's about a hive mind character. So there's multiple different prophets that you keep oh, you keep running into, and each of them they're all being drawn back to some central point for something, and it's hard not to read this comic without hearing the voice of Werner Herzog like read it to you, and then old man prophet he fought the <laughs> alien hordes and destroyed them and won and ate their blood and he was strong. It's it's really hard sci-fi with like some crazy stuff like the new one, the new one yeah it's. It's mind-bendingly cool. Really good sci-fi, but you're like, wait, who is this character? I, the, it's amazing. It's really worth checking out. What's the pocket count on the new prophet? <laughs> Depending on which prophet you run he's into. He's got all his shit. <laughs> <laughs> he does have some cool stuff. Is in the very beginning, in the very beginning, he finds like a care package, and they illustrate all the things that are inside of it. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, you dig it. I remember all those image properties and all those image characters and teams and stuff, but I never read them. Yeah. But, uh, if you say it's good, maybe I'll give it a read. <laughs> all right. What do you think? You want to do uh, initiated blast off here for our top five reboot, rebirth, retcon remakes? Yeah, let's do it. Mission sequence start. All right. Here's the countdown. At number five. Well, wait. Before... We got to say that we had talking about this countdown. We yeah. figured out it is the most impactful, most notable reboots, rebirths, yes. remakes that we talked about. It's, it's not, not necessarily, necessarily the best or the worst. Yes, it's impactful. It's what did it do to that franchise when it rebooted? Yeah, I think that's a good way to kind of net it out. 
Number five. At number five, the Fantastic Four, the reboot in the most recent film, was so bad, even though I thought it did a great job retelling their origin story and brought it into a more modern modern sense, it was so bad that not only did it kill the franchise, but they no longer print the comic books because the property was so dead and dead. There's no dead. Fantastic Four comic books right now? Fantastic Four is dead in a doornail. There's also some politics going on. Marvel's trying to regain the rights, and they're hoping that mm. if they kill the comic, they can kind of get all that stuff back. Uh, from Fox and Sony and stuff. But They're going to trick Fox and Sony and be like, no one's reading the comic books anymore. anymore so don't you make don't me- want that that property. Send it back over. Exactly, right. exactly. Which I would love to see what Marvel's did with Fantastic Four, but it's it's a tough one to make into a movie. They've messed it up many times. It is times. a tough one, but you could do a better job than they've so done. So many better jobs. Anyway, That's why Fantastic it's Four, in. yeah. Number Limping five. in at number five. All right. Number four? Number four, RoboCop, the reboot. I'm pretty sure it's not going to have any sequels to <laughs> such a good character, but they took all the satire out of one of the best satire movies ever made and just just left it re- relying on robot dreams and, and, you know, action. You know what it is? It's like the new one, the, the reboot of RoboCop is almost like the um, the Cliff Notes version of the other one. Exactly. It's like you didn't... You didn't read the real story. You just read the cliff notes. Yes. Like, okay, man gets killed, comes back as a robot, yep. fights crime, and revenges. I mean, I guess kind of gets justice and revenge for himself. Yep. Period. Period. Yeah, they didn't go into any of the... Like, they tried to tie in, like, oh, corporates using drones will be bad, but they didn't get it. They didn't get it. No, like, And then the teacher was like, asked the kid that read the, the cliff notes, it was like, did he have a mask on? The kid was like, no. Sometimes? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> And this one, when his mask was off, it wasn't even that cool looking. In oh, the no, original, for sure. It looked so cool. Yes. In like, the original, it's like him taking his mask off was like, whoa. It was, well, first it was built, like it was built up as a reveal. Yeah. Then there was an amazing makeup about it and yep. everything. Ugh. This is like, oh, it's just that skinny guy. <laughs> What's in number three, Rumi? Number three is the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the one with Jessica Biel. That, ring, was, ring. that was really, really good. We like that. We agree that it's almost a better piece of media than the original it doesn't yeah. necessarily carry the importance to the original but I mean it told the same story in a slightly different way certainly made it feel new certainly made it feel refreshed and it was a lot of fun it did a great job unfortunately no nudity <laughs> <laughs> also unfortunately uh, the the following sequels after it just couldn't capture or maintain that level of intrigue and keep me wanting to see to, like how hard is it to make me want to see people get cut up with a chainsaw what if that was a choice like the first one they're like let's make a bunch of sequels that no one gives a fuck about <laughs> <laughs> yes I think that is the intention of some producer hey guys how about this how about this how about we make a movie that nobody wants I to I got go this see? idea <laughs> hear, wait, hear me out hear me out <laughs> alright Rumi what's in number two number two we have the ultimate Ultimate Spider-Man. Actually, it's really the Ultimate Universe, but we'll specifically go with Ultimate Spider-Man. Took all the main components about Spider-Man, shook them up a little bit, and gave a great story. Not once, but twice. They did it once with Peter Parker, and they did it again with Miles Morales, which I think Marvel did an amazing thing by bringing the Marvel Universe to the forefront. It, It eclipsed some of their regular books at the time, and probably even still, and kind of made Marvel Comics, it was the beginning of where they really started to get some traction with their books, and Ultimate Spider-Man was part of it. It was a smart business venture to bring it back and reboot it that way, and it was great storytelling. So really, you and I talked at the beginning about reasons why to reboot. 
I feel like that actually covered all of the reasons at once. To be truly honest, I think when it first started the reboot, I, I personally felt I wasn't I like, why? Why do you need to do that? But when they finally found their footing, I think Ultimate Spider-Man and the Miles Morales storyline within that is some of the best Spider-Man we've gotten in a long time. I agree. I, I definitely I think agree. since Maximum Clonage, I think that's some of the best Spider-Man we've had. You like the clone Spider-Man, the clone saga? Loved it. That's what got me into Spider-Man. Oh Maximum God. Clonage? Ben like Ben and him and 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 got Green Goblin and Hobgoblin. You know that everyone hates those stories? No. I don't necessarily. What? Yeah. Really? Those are like like everyone shits on DC for making up different universes and then like taking it back and then destroying one universe but having another universe and the Spider-Man clone saga is looked at as one of the biggest like shit fucks that Marvel has done so in like recent. So I just recent... sounded like an internet uh, an idiot to the entire no. internet. No, Rumi, and I will stand by you. You sounded like a man who is passionate about something that he likes, well, and may- I like dumb shit maybe, too. Maybe, maybe like Batman Forever, it was just at the time I was really impressed with the complexity that Spider-Man was bringing to my young adolescent comic book reading life. Or maybe you're not a real Rumi and you're a clone. How would you know? I would ask you one of those questions that we mentioned in our other episode that I couldn't remember. (laughs) Well, you mentioned Batman Forever. You want to let us know what number one was? Number one, Batman. Batman has been rebooted so many times. We had an Adam West Batman. Well, there was, like, the early Batman, the Adam West Batman, Biff Bam Pow. Then we got the gritty reboot with Michael Keaton. And then we got the silly crazy goofy reboot that Joel Schumacher made with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin and then we got a double gritty reboot with Christopher Nolan and now we're gonna get another reboot with Batfleck and then because those movies kind of suck we're gonna probably gonna get another reboot soon and those are just the movies he's been rebooted so many times in the comics like yes. did you guys know that Batman used a gun in his first couple yeah. issues like he was and a now stick he's, up man yeah. he's pretty staunch not having a yep. gun now it's a very big deal part of his mythos New, but... New 52 started uh, we've had Elseworld comics where Batman has been a pirate and Batman has been a Frankenstein and Batman has been a vampire we've mentioned retcon during this episode and there's a bunch of shit that got retconned into his history so much some, Batman some for the best some not for the best we even have some future con where Batman's an old man with a robot suit fighting mutants and and an even more future reboot with Batman Beyond, which was pretty successful, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reboot of the cartoon is almost its own reboot, and the animated series sure, was a revisioning true. of Batman that borrowed from how awesome the gothic nature of the Tim Burton Batman was and re- and turned it into an amazingly successful cartoon series. And there's been two or three series since then. Yeah. Some great, some not as good. Nothing will, I don't think everyone will hit the high watermark of the Bruce Tim, but like, it's a different take and I feel like a character like Batman is great and that's why he's at number one because you can have the old chum silly character. You yep. can have Adam West. You can have Batman the Animated Series, Bruce Tim stuff. You can have Christopher Nolan. You can have Frank Miller Batman. Yep. You know, you can have all these different, and it works for the character. You know, it's 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 pretty cool. Well, and unlike some of these other reboots and rehashes and remakes, even if you have a bad one, it doesn't kill the franchise. I feel like like James Bond or anything else. Batman will will still have Batman movies a long time from now. And I feel like it's it's like credit. Yeah. Like if you have a good uh, enough good credit in the bank, you could bounce a check or two. Yeah. 
if you have enough good Batman credit, you could fuck up a movie or fuck up a comic book storyline. But once you do too many, you're like, uh, never mind. Yeah, we've Fantastic never... Four. We've, we've gotten close to a good Batman trilogy, but we've never truly gotten a Batman trilogy that I think is super solid. Got so close with Nolan. Nolan, you came so close. But And, and I don't necessarily blame you for what happened with Dark Knight Rises. You so had, keep listening, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> yeah. Keep listening to our podcast. You had, to re, you had to basically rewrite a script within a year to get it get it out there. I mean, I think that was a rush sequel. Mm. And especially after after Heath Ledger passed away, like you kind of have to restructure what you were going to do, which sucks. That's tough. Can't blame you for that. Uh, no, not if you make a Ghost Joker movie. What? <gasps> that would be fucking cool. I would love. Oh, my God. Here's my pitch for Batman versus Freddy Krueger. <laughs> okay. It starts with the pearls falling scene, and then Freddy Krueger comes out of the dark and kills Batman's parents and kills Bruce Wayne. Alfred comes in and finds Bruce Wayne dead in his bed. Batman is dead. That's how you start a Batman-Freddy Krueger comic book run. But then... Was it a comic, not a movie? It's a comic book run, yeah. <sighs> so then, Freddy Krueger is in Gotham looking for, for, for minds to play in and fuck with, and he finds the Joker. But the Joker is self-aware in his mind, and he finds somebody in him, and he says, give me the power. And Joker and Freddy Krueger start going to dream to dream to dream, fucking people up, using the Scarecrow to infect people's minds to make it more easy for Freddy Krueger and the Joker to get into everybody's minds. And they start creating like an army of dream warriors that just start taking over the city and fucking everything up. And just when you think it's the worst, the Joker and Freddy Krueger fight it out inside the dream world using like their powers to fight each other and Freddy Krueger ends up winning and taking over Joker's body and becoming the new crime boss. But then at the end, either Alfred or Bruce Wayne wakes up and it was all a dream. That's a Joker story, not a Batman story. I was so excited. I was going to throw out the title of A Dark Nightmare on Elm Street. Whoa! With a K-N-I-G-H-T. Well, Batman fighting Freddy Krueger I think would be tough because Batman's all like, I'm logical, and like that would fuck with that shit too much. And killing Batman in the first five pages of your book, like killing... Uh, <laughs> killing the main character and Scream in the first five minutes. What you think mm. is the main character. That's my pitch for that. Here's my pitch for Scream versus Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um, he uses good detective work and catches him very quickly. <laughs> uh, it's Matthew Lillard. It's Keith Ulrich. Guys, come on. Yes, come on, look at them. They're acting creepy as hell. Of course it's them. <laughs> I went through their receipts. They both bought voice changers and a bunch of these stupid <laughs> costumes. Oh, and this guy was, she was banging that kid's dad. So there you go. The awesome of the first act of Bruce Wade Batman showed up and said that. Yeah, before anybody else got killed. Uh, it's clearly not cotton weary that I, that evidence was fabricated. <laughs> <laughs> Drew Barrymore. That's the person's name. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, she's going to play uh, Freddy Krueger in both movies. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Awesome, Rumi. Well, welcome to 2018. Guys, we have a great year planned. I mean, the Launchpad Podcast is going to get bigger and better. With your help, we can't say thank you enough for sticking with us through the new year. We hope you stick with us 
as we move through 2018. We have some great episodes planned. Keep interacting with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and on Twitter at LaunchpadPod, and on our website, LaunchpadPod.com. You ready for Blast Off, Rumi? Yep. Here we go. Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one. 